0: Yo, what's going on y'all? What's going on? Welcome back uh, to another highfalutin episode of Audible, Audible Podcast. Jesus Christ, I can't even get it out. I'm so excited. I got a little cup of coffee in me. Um, By a cup, I usually just buy a cold brew and I fill up a big gigantic ass cup and I just chug it. Um, So pardon me if it's something like... Uh, more a little bit of that meth. Not more meth, just on coffee. I'm not sure how I bring up meth in the first 45 seconds. It's a very classy episode today. We'll be discussing more wine, not meth. Uh, maybe we might discuss a little meth and wine. Uh, if Walter White can do it, we can do it too. Today, I want to discuss uh, imports. Right. So right now we are. Uh, I wouldn't say in the midst of a, uh, I wouldn't call it a. an international incident, right? I wouldn't call it that, right? But we are in the middle kind of of a, of a thing. What last year, uh, Trump put through a lot of uh, tariffs through European products, right? Um, I assume this was to influence the boost of American Made products, California wine, Oregon wine, Washington wine, you know, there's wine everywhere. Florida wine, Texas wine, just about everywhere makes wine. Missouri makes wine. Um, There's Louisiana wineries. There's wineries everywhere, right? But the main states um, is California, Oregon, Washington, um, Texas, and Virginia. Uh, New York makes wine as well. California and I believe Washington is number two as far as production. Uh, they make a lot of that, uh, you know, Chateau Saint Michelle and Red Diamond shit like that goes into restaurants and uh, it, it sells extremely well. To be to be honest with you, but um, it was to influence that I assume, um, or it could have been to you know, kind of go at Europe just for being in Europe, um, charging them more just to have the pleasure uh, to have them. Dusty-ass bottles uh, come onto our shelves, but um, the deal was uh, it's 25% tariffs under any wine uh, that was under 14%. I forgot how the how liquor and cheese went, but I know it was for France, it was for Italy, it was for uh, Scotland, I think just Europe in general, right? So um, right now we don't have a, a lot of French made products, Italian-made products, not really Italy. Italy's been sneaking stuff in because uh, things like Moscato, etc., is under 14%. Um, well, they still pay, but they make that money back fairly quickly, um, especially for Moscato. So, you know, Moscato has been, um, it's kind of like the, it, it's replaced a, a couple different drinkers, right? So, everybody knows about things like White Zinfandel, right? The, the pink blush wine, the pink rosé wine. And for the most part, White Zen has become a dead category, right? Not, not even for the most part. It's a dead category. Uh, it used to be one of the biggest categories in wine. Let's say when in, uh, Moscato probably took off maybe like seven, eight years ago. So nine, ten years ago, White Zen was the premier uh, sweet, fruity wine um, of the wine world. It didn't take long for... You know, Moscato kind of come across, um, first it started to hit a lot of restaurants. Most people tried it in restaurants, and it hits retail. Um, and it's mostly for new drinkers, but there's a lot of uh, former hard liquor drinkers and also white Zen drinkers and just sweet wine drinkers in general, right? Moscato is a very uh, delicious drink. Uh, I feel like a little bit of that Moscante, but um, we've had a lot of different changes within the wine world. French has taken a significant dip, um, which is why, you know, I understand people have to buy it because you just need to buy wine. France is still the you know, as far as perception uh, they are, well not as far as perception, as far as the price, they are still the elite. Um, as far as prestige, they are still the elite when it comes to the wine world. Uh, it just so happens that these days in the wine world, not a lot of people are, are spending um dollars $200,000 on a, a bottle of French wine um, as they did in 2000, let's say four-ish to about nine-ish, ten-ish, right? So a lot of those drinkers uh was the former generation um i wouldn't say it's generation x uh, i guess the the boomer i don't know what the actual i forgot what the actual generation for you say boomers right 50 plus right 45 plus right those are your yeah uh, the last of the uh, premier wine drinkers a lot of the millennials and gen x cats uh, they're going to be um they're going to be more bargain buyers because of a evolution and b just money in general um not a lot of people between i would say the age of 30 to 42 um are rich or want to invest in 100 and 200 dollars bottles of wine um i damn sure don't so that's to explain why the liquor business is going up and that's another reason to explain why the beer business is going up exponentially also Wine is very stagnant, right? There's really nothing new. Um, the newest thing they've tried to bring in is, you know, your bourbon barrel cask, um, which is just, you know, kind of popularized by a lot of just whiskey makers, mostly Scotch. Uh, Scotch has been doing um, rum cask and different things like that for it. If you look up, oh, so it would be, it's not Balatori. Oh my God, I can't remember. Um, but there's a lot of rum casks, Caribbean casks, and just, you know, a lot of different Experimental oak agent, so you know, wine is jumping into that now. Uh, before the experimental thing was you know, maybe some American oak, some French oak, Hungarian oak. I have heard of a lot of different uh types of oak that people use, but not bourbon barrel. Um, it, it, it's just the thing, it's the flavor profile uh, that most people like, just something a little stronger to me. Um, because the taste of bourbon and wine doesn't really match. But I think the perception of it being stronger when they taste it is why people jump in. Uh, some of them are usually 14 or 15%, but there's a lot of wines in general that are 14 or 15%. So, you know, I think this is why I'm finally trying to um, latch on to the actual trends of the market instead of them staying stagnant and being like, oh, somebody's going to buy my Pinot Noir no matter what. Um, because it's just it's not the case these days. Um. Also, a lot of y'all probably haven't seen many wine commercials uh, ever in your life. I've uh, been in the wine industry a very long time. I can name a handful of times I've seen an actual wine commercial or billboard or five-second clip or ten-second clip or fucking YouTube clip. Any fucking thing. A Google ad. Anything. I barely see anything for wine. Uh, whereas for liquor... Uh, Who is dominating right now, has been dominating for uh, a couple of years now, a few years. Um, You see those advertisements everywhere. You see them not being stagnant. I guess stagnant would would be the best word. Uh, You see multiple celebrities and personalities jumping into liquor. Um, They're trying to do it with wine. I think I saw uh, a lady from Sex and the City, Sarah Jessica Parker. she makes uh, some kind of New Zealand wine. Uh, you've seen things like Snoop or 19 crimes you know they're starting to bring people in. Uh, E40 uh, has a very very uh, good and popular wine the Earl Stevens wine um, which is just coming back in the distribution uh, locally in, in Texas. Um, but it's a really good uh, wine for beginners and just for, for anybody in general you know what I'm saying uh, uh, the thing about wine is wine is always seen as be very uh, prissy and prestigious uh, but the thing is people have been drinking trash wine and most of the people that actually drink these prestigious and pricey wines really don't know anything about wine uh that's that's one of the things i like to uh, talk to people about it um people that are you know doing sales jobs or supplier jobs or or you know just sales jobs in general whether it's on a retail level or on a wholesale level um and i mean wholesale as far as you know uh, bars, clubs, restaurants is the thing is you know if you're dealing with a, a sommelier, they're gonna let you know they sommelier you know for a restaurant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they they they're gonna you just let those people talk. You know they're gonna give their own opinions of wine. Uh, but those people, are, uh, it's very, 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 very small percentage of the world. Uh, let alone the wine industry, it's, it's still an extremely, extremely a small percentage of people that can actually taste uh and discuss and describe what they're tasting uh the majority of people which is totally fine just know that things taste real good or taste real bad really that's all you really need to know um but for the people that just may want a, a little bit more in-depth uh discussions um this pod and many other pods and uh this information it is definitely for you so I want to start with Italy uh, mainly because of Moscato um, being, which is hilarious. You know, I used to five or six years ago. Um, I used to really push a lot of Moscato on uh, on wholesalers, on reps, retailers, on everybody, uh, because you can see when new drinkers are coming in, right? And new drinkers are coming in, and it started from things like uh, some wine called Castello di Poggio, It's wine called Syrah. Um, another wine called um, Moscato. Oh my God, I, I went out. But there's always been, you know, your staple every day is Woodbridge, Sutter Home. Sutter Home has always been kind of been the most popular. It's been it's been a Moscato that's been around for a while, right? But there's a there's a distinct difference in the the Moscato you get from Italy and the Moscato you get from California. It's Just it's a totally different flavor profile. Uh, to be to be quite honest with you, with the Italian. Uh, You'll hear effervescence just mean it has a little bubble to it. You know, you, you people have, uh, most people have tried Moscato. Um, that little light bubble, not a champagne fish to it. That effervescence, that is the difference between, uh, besides just overall quality, in my opinion. The fact that it has to be 100% Moscato. And a lot of domestics can be, I think it's 75% or 85, it's 75%. Uh, it has to be 75% Moscato. So that means they get to cut it with a lot of other stuff. Um, and that is another reason why a lot of people don't buy imports. There's always a fucking shortcut um, for something here in America. People are always trying to shortcut something to, to take down price, to take down quality. And when they give you 100% of something, um, they usually increase the pricing, increase the quality. Of that. that is why we have been so, um, by we, I mean just America, have been so dependent Upon other countries for production is because when we get the production here, we get greedy and you don't know that they don't know what to do with it. Besides be 100 percent greedy, uh, greedy with it. Um, that is why production for things like our car industry and uh, uh, clothing industry is going to Mexico, it's going to China because the cost is a lot cheaper. And, you know, the actual people who run these companies instead of themselves charging cheaper they would just rather buy it cheaper they would rather get it from another country um than to do it here but that's you know that's another subject but that's also that also goes toward um the quality and price of what you get so they go for clothing and, and other things they go out of the country for production and usually it's cheaper for us and cheaper for them typically when you buy non-american wine you'll get higher quality, uh, because their government is watching this stuff, right? This is They have uh, actual government bodies um, that go through and make sure, hey, this is 100%, these venues are clean, and that's a two-way street, right? Because in some ways, the, the wineries and they don't get the flexibility that they can, they can get here in America, uh, but it also ensures that you have a quality item, right? So, And a lot of the American Moscatos, you'll get, let's say, 75% Moscato. Uh, You may get, because we went about maybe two years with there being no Moscato to buy in America at all. Probably two and a half. Uh, So a lot of it was sourced through Chile. A lot of it was sourced through Argentina. A lot of it was sourced through Australia. A lot of it was sourced through Italy, right? Italy is the last place because it's the most expensive expensive place to get it from. Uh, Obviously, it's where to get it from last, so. Um, if you look at a lot of Moscato bottles now, you may see, and it may be an American company, excuse me, but you may see Chile or Argentina or Australia on the, the back of it. Um, And that, that's how they get, that's how they trick you, that's how they fool you, right? So it's, a, it's an American company, but they buy the juice from el- elsewhere, Um, and it's usually bottled elsewhere. It's just a company that has some grapes in a building. In America, Um, so it's a really it can be a really uh, a tricky tricky industry uh, when it comes to that, right? But what you have to understand is it, it is cheaper for them and it is more convenient for them. And when it's simply not enough to buy in America, you have to go elsewhere. You have to outsource. You have to you have to it's demand. You have to meet the demand, right? And going to Italy will means increased prices. Uh, totally the opposite of going to Australia, Chile, and Argentina, where they're not known for Moscato, but they have a shit ton because they just make it themselves and they have the... the to growing the environment to make it themselves. And when it comes to demand of the world, you have to understand these people, a lot of people are just farmers. Uh, a lot of people just professionally it's their job and it's been their, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the dads, whoever they've always been farmers, A generation of farmers. So they just meet the demand of anybody who wants to, uh, kind of come through it and buy their grapes, whether it's Moscato cab, etc. you know, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, that, that's more of a, a quality check thing. Um, but in Italy, um, you have things like Super Tuscans, where Super Tuscans are a, a type of wine where the winers decided they didn't need government inclusion and they didn't want their Chianti. For instance, Chianti, you see Chianti, Chianti Classico, Chianti Classico Reserva. Um, a lot of people meet especially when I first got into wine. I thought Chianti was a grape. It's not a grape. In um, and, and their world, it has to be 85% of the actual varietal. Um, so it's 75% Chianti, which means the other 15% are more for blending. They are more for um, tannins. Uh, tannins is that grip you get in, inside of your cheek. Um, when a wine has, you know, significant, not significant, a decent amount of oak, sometimes significant amount of oak, that little bite you get inside of your your cheek, that's kind of tightening up. Those are tannins, right? So some years, some harvest, um, Sangiovese, it, it may not include those extra things. Uh, sometimes Sangiovese in general just doesn't include that at all. So use those other grapes to try to round out the difference. And it may be a apocryphalus, what I just said about Moscato is. is Moscato is a very, very... Uh, manipulative big word alert. uh, For me, big word alert. That's over four words. Four letters. Um, Moscato is very manipulative. In the fact that if I pour a shot of vodka into a glass of Moscato, I pretty much have vodka. Um, If I do that to uh, a regular dry Chianti, I just now have a ruined Chianti uh, that still tastes like wine with a harsh real hit of, of vodka. So, uh, the, the fact that Moscato can be, you can put in things like Columbard and all of these things that are used for brandy and the things that make bigger and fatter wines, I would say. Um, and that's the same for Chianti, but, uh, Moscato is just a very, it's a grape that can be Moved around, I guess is the the, the better word. I get. I, I think y'all know what I mean. It's. It. I, I'll use vodka again. It's kind of like vodka and cognac. I could put orange juice in vodka, and it's going to become orange juice. I could put uh, orange juice in cognac, and it's just going to ruin my cognac. It's kind of that same feel. Of course, it's the two different things, but um, I think y'all smell when I'm cooking. So, in in Italy, which is a uh, good sized country, I would say. Uh, You have a lot of different regions, you have a lot of different areas, you have a lot of different rules, right? So in the top, uh, see if I can get the map visually in my head, the top right area is uh, Fruili. So right, so Fruili is where the majority of the Pinot Grigio is gone, probably like 98% of where the Pinot Grigio is grown, right? So you have just gigantic, wide, large areas of just grapes. Right. So you'll have a lot of Pinot Grigio. You'll have a lot of uh, Glara. Glara is what makes uh, Prosecco. And I would say those two, as far as the Northeast region, as far as probably in all of Italy, they're probably the two most, not even probably, I can, they're the two most produced grapes you're going to find. Right. Glara, like I said, is what goes into Prosecco. Um, These days you'll see DOC and DOCG tags on uh prosecco and I also explain that for regular wine DLC and DLCG this is just government tax uh it means that these these wines are what they are these are government mandated things that mean this is government approved this is the product that that you know that is supposed to be in here so uh, I flip back to Super Tuscan. Super Tuscan is what, what the wineries came up. So they don't have to follow those government rules. They can grow all the varietals that they want. So for instance, Chianti, nobody's going to have an 85% Cabernet Chianti, right? Because the rules say it has to be Sangiovese. So what, what they want to do is they grow Cab. They grow all these other varietals. Um, But they wanted to be able to make their own wine without it being government mandated. So you see a lot of maybe some Cab, Sangiovese, Merlot, Sangiovese. Um, I talked in uh, the last part about um, um, Montemassi, the area of Montemassi, um, growing Petit Syrah and Syrah. Those are non-typical Italian varietals, uh, along with Viognier, Chardonnay, and all the other uh, things that they're growing. Chardonnay a little bit more, but it's still not you know as traditional as Pinot Grigio or a Vermentino or a Grillo or a lot of other white wines that they that they grow in Italy. They have a lot of a lot of a lot of indigenous. Uh, white and red grapes that they grow themselves. I think that's kind of why they're, they're so heavily, um, government mandated because they just, they just have a lot of grapes that they can grow themselves. Of course, in America, we have that as well. Um, but we haven't invented anything. All of our stuff is just, uh, you know, um, French or Italian varietals that we just grow here, uh, whether they grow better or not here, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of up to the people. So uh but italy in the northwest uh northeast area top right um uh, kind of spanning down all the way to like the middle i don't want to call it like the northern is north but it's like in the middle directly in the middle um you'll get some areas like um oh my god uh it's where they grow lambrusco right um why can't I the, the 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 name is in my head? I just can't I just can't picture it right now. You get a lot of errors that go Lambrusco. Um and that's just how it trails down. So it trails down from Friuli. Jeez, Venice. Venice is where you fly in, right? Venice is where you fly in, and for Venice you drive very well, right? Of course you you got your main city just like anywhere else. Well, you know, planes here are a little bit more. Uh, Big planes are a lot more accessible here, but still in very small areas, you still have to get, you know, add-on flights, chain flights, or, you know, whatever they call them, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to get to fucking Montana, it's not a direct flight to, you know, Willacoochee, Montana. I usually have to go to uh, Helena or whatever the, the big city is, and I'll take a little charter, not charter, but a, a little small pissant flight uh, to whatever city I'm trying to go to. It's like that in other countries, uh, and it's, it's like that uh, here as well. So. Uh, and uh, the northeast is where the the money the really the, the money comes in is what we know is Pinot Grigio and and Glara for Prosecco. That's what we here in America assume more than anything. Moscato is probably, I you know at this point I would say one A one B one C, um, and those are we I call them patio pounders, right? All three. Moscato doesn't grow in those areas. I'll get to that. Uh, that's in the northwest area, which is Piedmont. Um, they grow a lot of other wines there too, of course. But yeah, I would call those one A, one B, and one C uh, because the amount of production uh, that they do, and the amount of wine that we drink from that, uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous, right? Um, so we just call them patio pounders because that's what pretty much people do with Pinot Grigio. Um, to me, it's not a complicated. Uh, great, maybe in other areas, there can be complications to it. Uh, and you can do smoke age and you can do some other different type of things, but for the most part, people just want to get it real cold and drink it real fast. Um, it's you know, same thing with Prosecco. Most people have La Marca, which is the uh, what well, brand new, I want to compare it to, I guess, the Tito's um, of Prosecco. Uh, it's extremely, extremely popular. You, you're gonna find it in more places than Tito's, which. Will probably, it probably sells more than Tito's is the fact that you can find it in more places than Tito's just due to our uh, alcohol laws. You know, you'll find it in maybe some gas stations. You'll find it in grocery stores. I know Target has it, um, you know, locally in your, your grocery store. You'll, you'll find Prosecco more than you find uh, Tito's, depending on what state you're in. Uh, you could be in Louisiana. Uh, them motherfuckers might just be right next to each other, uh, but that's just how it goes. So back to Italy, when you travel over to the, the Northwest region, you have Piedmont. Um, and I just want to kind of discuss the the main areas. I want to go to Italy. I just want to touch a little bit of France too. Uh, the main area, the Northwest area, uh, they grow Moscato. They grow a grape called Nebbiolo. And they grow Barbera and Dolcetto. They grow a lot of other grapes, but Moscato and Nebbiolo and Barbera, I would say, will probably be the top three, right? Uh, Moscato by far the number one because of price point, um, because of how fast you can make it. I remember talking to a winemaker and he was saying that he could get Moscato shipped in in, in America by the time his actual quote unquote serious wines are even done or even harvesting, or even growing, um, or even close to being fermented. He can have Moscato uh in a bottle and already shipped to america in that span amount of time so you have a lot of people using moscato to bankroll uh their private projects so you have a lot of winers that's been around for just hundreds of years plenty of years it could be 20 years 30 years and they've always made quote-unquote serious wine but with the the boom on moscato and how much just americans drinking in in general and the world drinks of course I just say america i'm just talking our demographic because that's where i stay but the world drinks moscato um and in ridiculous amounts. I'm glad it's just five percent. Uh for the most part, I'm glad there's just five to eight percent because uh yeah, it'd be pretty dangerous if it was like ten or twelve. Or we we'd have a real problem on our hands, but um so a lot of uh wineries they bankroll and other wineries that have never even been in the area, uh they go to the area and buy Moscato to you know, to bottle it up, ferment it, bottle it up and get it on out here because that that's what bankrolls uh, they're they're more um like i said serious projects i don't want to you know i, I don't want to disrespect the quality of a wine just because of you know how it tastes um or how quickly you can get it because it really doesn't matter right uh, that's the, the the main thing i want to i want to teach is that It really doesn't fucking matter. Like you can buy i I've had a three thousand dollar bottle of wine. Let me tell you, I've had a forty dollar bottle of wine that was a little bit better, right? So it these prices are it's about investment. It's about prestige that's already there. You know, a bottle of uh uh Chateau Lafitte, the Pouillac, um, the two thousand tens are like I say sixteen hundred dollars, right? I've had it before. I didn't buy it. I I would never spend Geez, I would never spend $1,600 uh, on a bottle of wine. But I wouldn't spend $160, to be honest, which I've been in the in wine industry for uh, a real long time. I wouldn't spend $160. A lot of these prices, it's about prestige. It is about what the name already is. And it is about investment, right? I've discussed this before. If I'm going to invest 24 months of acreage of juice, right? We're not talking 24 months of a backyard full of grapes being invested, right? We're talking about acres. People have bills to pay. You have farmers that pick the shit. You have people that pick the shit. You got uh actual staff. You have actual employees. You have suppliers. You have negotiations. You have a lot of people you have to pay. So a 24-month investment is a very, very... Deep investment, fuck it. it's two years, so that's why a lot of Moscato can be bankrolled. A lot of Moscato go out, um, use that cash to supplement everything else. Um, but for the people that don't do that, um, that's their bread and butter. Um, so you know, 16, a thousand, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars. You know, there's the DRC, which is the main Romani Conti, which is a very, very famous, uh, Burgundian, pinot, it's it's Pinot Noir. It's, Burgundy. it's a very, very prestigious wine. It could be anything from $500 to $3,700. It could be on auction sometimes for $9,000, even more than that. At the end of the day, it's Pinot Noir, right? And most domestic Pinot Noirs that are on retail shelves are not even $100. The most expensive ones you'll probably get is $80 to $85. So You're going to have a hard time, especially these days, convincing people um, of my age, uh, in 30 to 35, let's say 30 to 40 range. Um, we'll go people older than me, too. Um, 35 plus, 30, whatever. You have a lot of... T- Convince me to spend $1,800. 1800 on one bottle of wine. Um I'm poor, so that could be a hard thing to convince me of. Uh, But, you know, just in general, uh, that's the way uh, sales are leaning. Uh, And that's just the way it is. People are just finding more value in other things. I could spend uh, $20 on a bottle of whiskey, and it's going to last me longer. Uh, It's going to last more than – because most people, when they open wine, they feel pressure to finish it. And you feel pressure to finish it because, obviously, it diminishes uh, within, I would say, four or five days, depending on what the wine is. So I just spent $1,600 on something. More than likely, if somebody spends that much on a bottle of wine, they're going to be enjoying it with other people. Um, And sometimes you can never put a price on that. Uh, fucking $1,600, I'm going to put a price on that. Just because there are uh, high-rated wines that don't get nearly that much. Um, uh, The wine I have for $40... Uh, Was wine called Ultimancayo? Ultimancayo is a Spanish Grenache. They use it between 40 to 47, kind of depending on uh, the vintage. They usually try to stay very consistent, but you know how things go. Uh, and that is a 97 point rated wine. So, you know, the, the point system is very in, uh, but it's on a particular wine, you know, something $40. Uh, and previous vintage has gotten 100 points. Um, I just see more value in things. I think. A lot of people these days are, are more about value than they are about buying in the actual price tag, um, and that's not the case for all industries, of course, uh, because you'll get people that buy uh, Gucci and whatever high quality or luxury quality products just because of the tag, not actually because of the quality of the actual product. Uh, so that's just how things—that's how things have always been uh, since it was fucking year six. Um, that's how these things go, but um, getting back to Italy. So, uh, the top left area, uh, the northwest area is Piedmont. The high production of Moscato, uh, you'll see Moscato di Oste, uh, or uh, Barbera di Oste just means of the D, just means of Ostia. It's the actual area where these things grow. Um, Nebbiolo, which is the big dog in that area, they grow, uh, Barolo first and Barbaresco. Um, those are kind of, you know, those are to me, they're kind of one A and one B again. Um, but people see Barolo as just the most prestigious because it's kind of, that's just kind of where it goes. You'll find Barba, uh, Barbaresco's that are more that you may think are better than some Barolos, but you know, they're just kind of a pecking order in in, in, in most things. And it just kind of seems that Barolo is uh, the top of the list when it comes to that, uh, direct area. So Barolo, the grape is Nebbiolo, Moscato, the grape is Moscato. You know, that's what tricks us. That's what tricks a lot of people. That's what t- intimidates a lot of people on what's on the label. Chianti is just Sangiovese. Sangiovese. That's it. It's nothing too complicated. It's nothing too crazy. Um, the majority of stuff will be Sangiovese. The majority of stuff in Piedmont. If it's red, it's going to be Barbera. If it says Barolo, if it says Barbaresco, that is Nebbiolo. If it says Nebbiolo, it's just Nebbiolo. The other grape they grow is Dolcetto. They grow a lot of other grapes. So what we get here is Dolcetto. You'll see that in our smallest percentage in the other two um, Then the other other three. Uh, You'll see a lot smaller production uh, as far as what we get here, as far as what's imported. Um, on Duccetto, different flavor profiles, uh, Moscato we know is a little bit sweeter um, light bubbly, effervescent the Nebbiolo depending upon the style of course the Barolos are uh, big bold, uh, very floral uh, wine, you get a lot of lavender, a lot of cherry from the wines and those are usually good, they're usually huge tannins uh, these are usually wines um, kind of like I, something I've always heard, I, I don't follow it these days anymore, kind of I took it more serious back in the day when I first started, but now I realize it's really not that serious at all. A lot of people when it comes to Amarone, when it comes to Barolo Barbaresco's, they usually don't touch it if it's within five years. Um, a lot of people think that wine is that big, wine that bold and that aggressive, that those bigger tenants um need some time to settle and rest. I uh, used to be it that way with to DePop. Um, but to be honest with the production uh the production of wine and the sales of wines in general worldwide uh well not worldwide well it is worldwide um but especially in america the the consumption of wine is just it's going down and it's uh it's it's fat in a couple areas right so like moscato sparkling um chardonnay pinot grigio cabernet and everything else is kind of you get it how you live right so you, you know, you'll have other areas that just have very popular wines. You know, like I said, Australia—they have Yellow Tail, uh, Nineteen Crimes is very big these days, uh, and uh, Lindemans, and I can't think of it out. Jacobs Creek. You know, there's always been just kind of staples, but Yellow Tail now, Nineteen Crimes are Nineteen Crimes is, is, is the big dog. You you see the Snoop one? It's always Australia, but the Snoop one's actually from California. They do a Rosé, the Cali Rosé, which also a Snoop one. That's also uh, I believe. Uh, California's you. So, you know, a lot of people are just, a lot of people like that are taking advantage of marketing. Um, they probably did one of the best marketing jobs I've seen when it comes to wine. Uh, if you ever seen a label, I know you get, it's an app you can download, a QR code. And it actually, when you put your camera on the bottle, it'll actually show damn near a hologram of the story, right? So the 19 crimes is like a, uh, it's stories of different prisoners. I, I I believe last time I checked, it's been a while since I've looked at those, looked at those things. But they're they just each wine was based on, I, I believe, like a different prisoner, uh, a different person. Um, and then their story this is all made up, and their story is showed on the thing, right? And they do the same for um, Snoop, it, it's not that way. Um, His is a little bit more uh, upbeat type of deal. And I think they're trying to transition into that. But the stories are uh, are very exciting. And the fact that you can damn near have a hologram in your hands when you put the phone to the bottom is just, to me, it's kind of like genius marketing. So, uh, you know, that's Australia. Uh, In those areas, in those kind of new world areas, Australia, uh, you know, Chile and Argentina, they still have a lot of, especially Argentina, they have a lot of Italian influence. Uh, a tremendous amount of Italian influence. When you go there, there's a lot of wineries uh, actually have Italian names. There's a lot of wineries run by Italians. It's a lot, It's just uh, the cuisine down there in some ways can be uh, it's heavily influenced by Italy. So, um, Australian America, uh, people I'm seeing have kind of... New Zealand as well. The New World countries that are transitioning to promoting wine to younger people instead of them just saying, hey... This is Cab. This is Pinot Noir. You people have always consumed this. Please come and consume it now. It's just, it's just not those. Um, it's just not that way anymore. So, in Italy, once again, uh, the main varietals. Of, you have a lot of other varietals uh, that we can go into, but the main varietals that you'll see is Pinot Grigio, of course, Glera, which is Prosecco, Moscato, um, and Nebbiolo, and Barbera those main three, you know, Chianti, Super Tuscans, etc. You'll see those, uh, just a lot more and, uh, just because of price point really I and mean, convenience. you know, you want to see a, a fucking Barolo or Barbaresco sitting in a grocery store. You know, these, these wines are quote unquote prestigious wines. Uh, they're seen that way and they're usually and treated and consumed that way. That's why they're 50 plus. Uh, I really, I've seen one Barolo that was under $50. Um, so you can see the price point when with how they treat their wine and how they think about their wine so you know that also goes to the decline of their their rare wines uh they still think of it that way and I understand it's been hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition um more than likely the the wine trend these days can just be seen as a uh, a trend of where people um, our age are not buying super expensive wines they're more into liquor and more into convenience. And um, more to value, more than anything else. Uh, everything is cyclical. I'm sure these wineries have seen this before. I'm, so, I'm sure things will go back, you know, in another two years. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 where people are buying $1,000 and $2,000 bottles of wine again. Um, it's just very, very far from the case these days. So uh, transitioning to France. Um, I've discussed France before. Um, but France seems to be the most intimidating, right? So, first thing I'll discuss is the bottle difference. France and Bordeaux, you know, these bottles, you know, you have the, the regular straight up bottles, the regular standard bottles. You have the bottles that have kind of a little rounded shape to them. Those are mostly seen as Burgundian bottles, Burgundy bottles, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay bottles. If you think about any Chardonnay you've ever seen, they come in a specific looking type of bottle. And that's just the way people are. Just that's the way people see wine. It just comes in that shape bottle. Uh, I can't think of any Chardonnays that are not from like California. You know, well, it's probably Australia. No, but even Yellowtail shaped their bottles that way. Uh, I'm sure if any of y'all have seen a bottle of Pinot Noir Chardonnay, you know what the shape of bottle I mean—the the rounded uh, bottle at the bottom, whereas the "quote unquote" standard bottle, uh, just the the stand-up bottle, small smaller top, uh, regular-sized body. Um, and that, that's the way France carries it. And it, It's kind of something that all of us do at this point. So, at the Burgundian bottles, you'll see red and white, right? The red is Pinot Noir. It'll either be Pinot Noir or either be Beaujolais. But Beaujolais will say Beaujolais on it. Um, the Pinot Noirs will say, in some effect, it'll say Burgundy. There'll be a lot of different names. Um, where there is, oh my God, I won't get into a thousand names. Gevry Chamberton, um, Marcinay, uh, there is, uh, Claude Vujo. There is this a uh, tremendous, tremendous amount of, uh, areas and vineyards. A lot of this stuff is named after specific vineyards. And the reason I don't like people to get all tied into France is, A, it's very confusing. And B, you have eight different wines come from the same, well, you have more than eight different wines come from the same venue, but eight different wines on the shelf will come from the same venue, but they'll have like six different names. Uh, Let's just make up a name. Let's just say it's Eric Moray, right? And that's the father. Well, Eric Moray, whatever, could be the daughter. She could have got married. It's hyphenated now. She has a maiden name, but she has the marriage name too. But let's just say she has um, a cousin, right? And that cousin name is uh, Jim Moray. The cousin is from a father's side. So of course, the uh shared is the, the same maiden last name. But Jim also had a son. And Jim, his name is Jack. You all, My point is you all will have different members and different in-laws, different people of the same family, all within the same fucking vineyard. And they all will have different names they're totally different flavor profiles, off acidity, tannins, whatever they may be, but it's all painted on the wall, and it's all extremely, extremely confusing. Which is why I would just say to just grab whatever's based on your price point uh, and how much you want to spend. Um, another problem with the the French wine, and I don't know, I'm not stating problems, I'm just you know talking. Um, but a problem with the French wines is again price point. Uh, we discussed Chateau Lafitte. Uh, I discussed DRC. they are very, very small amount of people that will spend $200 on a Pinot Noir, right? Um, people just don't see Pinot Noir that way, unless you're from a, you know, unless you just know DRC, unless you just know these Burgundian wines, and they're very prestigious to you. Um, the majority of people won't spend that. But the majority of people will spend a hundred dollars on a cabernet, let's say. They'll buy Caymus, they'll buy Silver Oak, they'll buy Duckhorn, uh, you know, these things are you know more 75 to 100 Um, but they'll spend that much for those wines just because it's seen that way. It's like spending um more money on a Lexus than you will a Camry, even though it's probably the same shit. Um but certain things just mean more to certain people. That's just how things go. I'm just trying to give you a way to to, to navigate these areas um, because it's very hard to navigate these areas by yourself. And uh, I'll try to do this visually uh, on my Instagram. My Instagram be at Dusty Wolds. Uh, I want to do kind of a, a a wine Instagram. That way, I can physically take pictures of this stuff and show y'all. Like, hey. It says Chianti classical it's just San It says this, it's just this stuff. It's, you know, this stuff is super, super intimidating. And so many people, thousands of people that refuse to just come over because they tried the wrong thing. It's like beer. Uh, a lot of people say beer tastes, you know, bad. It tastes, or oh, it tastes whatever. Tastes like whatever. Um, but the fact is, it's just, you just could have had the wrong beer. Uh, you could, it's a lot of different styles of beer. I, I don't like porters. Uh, porters can be to be very heavy. I don't like bourbon cast. I don't like coffee-flavored um, uh, beers. I like more Belgian beers. To me, Belgian is a lot more elegant. Uh, but most, you know, some people may not see it like that. So, you know, it's just a lot of different styles and a lot of different uh, profile clashes uh, that can get people uninterested in something when they just haven't had the correct one to introduce them uh, into the category. So um Burgundy, the red, if it says burgundy, it's Pinot Noir. If it's red, it's Pinot Noir. If it's white, it's it's Chardonnay. Like at Chardonnay, you'll see again a ton of different vineyards. Uh, you'll see montrachet Chevalier Montachet, Polini Montache, Pouli Fousset. uh You'll see everything. It's all Chardonnay. Chablis is Chardonnay. People see Chablis. I saw Chablis, and I thought, "Oh, the great was Chablis." It's just Chardonnay. American Chablis have kind of uh, is- skewed what we think Chablis is because you see Livingston in a big ass uh, four liter uh, glass bottle of Chablis. Uh, it's just Chardonnay and some other shit. They just decided to throw it. Now. The Chablis from France is all Chardonnay, and it's-, it's and it's of quality because it has to be. Uh, and like I said, of quality is government standard quality. Um, before it gets imported and shipped here so um in france uh bordeaux again uh i, I went over burgundy again red pinot noir or uh, Beaujolais. Beaujolais will be the grape gamay g-a-m-a-y um white it'll be chardonnay in bordeaux there are five grapes uh it used to be six I kind of still think of it as six, but eh, the, the sixth one is uh, very small percentages these days, right? So Cabernet Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot. I just jump off a cliff. Is it called Me Here? I just jump off a damn cliff. I don't know. Five Grapes aboard. Bordeaux. I just jumped off a cliff. Uh, yeah, Cab, uh, Cab Franc, Merlot. Uh, Jesus Christ, where am I? upgrades to Bordeaux. I just lost myself. Yeah, Malbec. Jesus Christ. I always think of Malbec from Cahors. But Malbec, as far as Bordeaux, is mostly a blended grape. You is, you, you man, you'll you never see it on a label. Um, it's, you, you probably won't even see most people uh, use it. And the sixth grape is Carminier, uh, which is a grape that is, these days, grown in Chile uh, it is a grape that disappeared from France a long time ago from Phylloxera, I think is the actual disease name. It's just a disease that kills grapes. Uh, they thought Cormier was dead and gone. Uh, they thought it, you know, that the plague or the disease actually killed the grape off. And then a very, very long time after, hundreds of years after, uh, people in Chile were trying to figure out why their Merlot was so bold and so dry um and they did the test on the final that's actually me yeah so uh in most wine growing areas a lot of this stuff is just stolen grapes uh <laughs> people just like hey you can't grow that grape here yes i can i'll just bring it all like in spain they grow cabernet merlot where they first started growing cabernet merlot because it just took that shit from france and just secretly started planting it the government told them oh you can only grow tipper etc they're like no france is right next to us we just going to grab some barrels of fucking Cabernet and Merlot and make it ourselves. That's how these grapes get here. Carmier didn't get to Chile out of all places from France, you know, by accident. This shit didn't jump on a, it's not like a fucking wild cat. It didn't come here as a, as a pet. It was purposely bought there and purposely planted, um, and just got lost in a fold, at, you know, at, at some point. So, uh, the main varietals, again, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, um, I just say Cabernet all the time. Cabernet Franc, is mostly a blending grape. Merlot, uh, you see a lot of Merlot, a lot Petit Verdot is mostly a blending grape. Malbec, uh, it's most it's very popular in Argentina. Uh, this area again in France called Cahors, C-A-H-O-R-S. Cahors is it? It's the the birthplace birthplace of Malbec. It's the oldest place. Um, it's where Malbec was, was started. Right, everything pretty much was started in France. I think Shiraz. Sarah uh may have been the very first grapes. Always controversy to that in the uh Iran, Iraq area uh of the world and Middle East. I believe they were first. I know the first fermented alcohol was mead, uh, honey wine. Um not as sweet as you think, but kind of sweet. Uh so fucking we've seen Avengers, you've seen Thor drinking and asked for mead. Uh, well, he always asked for a damn cause like in the movies or whatever he's drinking, but mead is is their drink. Um, But back to France, right? So you'll have left bank and right bank when it comes to Bordeaux. Left bank and right bank. Left bank is heavy Cabernet percentages, right? This is, it's not 100%. It's probably like 96%. Most of the grapes, most of the blends you'll see, everything is blended. In left bank, most of the blends you'll see is heavy Cabernet. And in right bank, most of the blends you'll see is heavy Merlot. Um, right bank, Santa uh Pomerol, and um, Bordeaux Superior, which is just, it's mainly table wines. Um, it's table wine. <laughs> Those are mostly Merlot. On the left bank, it gets, I wouldn't say more prestigious, but you, you get more expensive on that side. Even though on Pomerol, you have things like Le Pen, uh, L-E-P-I-N, two separate words, uh, which can get uh, very, very expensive. Um, But on left bank, you have Omidac, you have Puyac, you have St. Julien, uh, Margot, and uh, Passac Lignon, um, and Grave. But in Grave, on left bank, Grave, I've seen mostly heavy Merlot percentages. So that's the only area left bank was mostly Merlot. But your left bank actually is mostly Cabernet. This is probably sounding crazy. I don't know. I don't know why it would sound crazy, but not seeing it while I'm talking may be a little different. But, you know, uh, that's why I want to uh, start taking picture of this stuff on on Instagram so people can physically see this stuff. So. Uh, but those are just very, very easy and simple things to deal with. Right. You see Italy. Moscato is on the grip. That's that's the reason why imports are, are just I wouldn't say they're not as big here, but the California number has been rapidly increasing. Um, and this is this is one of the reasons why they're just too confusing. Um, you can get it. They're very easy to get. Uh, but there's a reason why there is a significant difference. Well, first of all, the education level in America is not so fucking great. So reading and understanding and uh, comprehending what's going on. And most people just don't want to do it. And you probably don't have the time to do it. I understand. Uh, You just might say, fuck it, I don't want to do it. I understand that too. Uh, But it's really not that complicated. And um, in the next episode, I'm going to take y'all more through flavor profiles. Uh, Everything is not the same. Uh, A Cabernet can be made, as I discussed today, in a lot of different places, whether it's California, it's France, it's Australia, it's Chile, it's Argentina, it's uh, a lot of other countries, a lot of different states, as I named as well. Um, So, obviously, everything won't taste the same. A Texas Cabernet, a French Cabernet, and a California Cabernet, believe me, will not taste the same. So, when you say I don't like Cabernet, um, you know, you're really blocking yourself out uh, from a lot of good things. So, my advice is to stay diligent, but stay open-minded. As I discussed, Chardonnay. Um in and, and California, Chardonnay in, in France, whether it's Chablis, Pouli Fuset, uh different Polini Moniches, Merceau, these are all all different quality Chardonnays. Chablis is very, very little oak aging. Most most times there's no oak aging. Um, so you get a lighter, crisper, cleaner style. Um, whereas in a lot of in an area like Merceau, where there's some French oak, um, in a lot of California things, let me see trying to think of. Popular California Chardonnay like lacrima. Um There's more, uh, a little bit more creaminess, more vanilla. Uh, they're a bit rounder, a little bit fatter, a little bit more oak, a little bit just bolder. Um, so when you say you don't like something, um, it can throw a lot of things off. Uh, and I say that with alcohol too. I'll discuss vodka, I'll discuss cognacs, I'll discuss gin. I want to kind of go over everything because uh, alcohol is just such a niche kind of category. Um, and most people just kind of stick to what they know, and I think the explosion of tequila is a perfect explanation for people getting into something that just had a bad stigma. I guess um, to me, tequila is always seen as: you drink tequila, you'll have an instant hangover, uh, you'll have an instant stomach ache. Uh, but when you get you really get into it, tequila to me has been my favorite drink for the past couple years. Uh, and the versatility between getting a silver or a reposado on Yeho can really, uh, can really change uh, what you think about it and uh, what you drink and also the flavor profile. So uh, thank you all for listening. Again, uh, I'll be discussing more of this on my social media. Uh, my Instagram is very new. A lot of y'all who've been uh, listening, following for a while know my Twitter, at Dusty Wolves. But th- the Instagram... Uh, again i think it's at, it should be at dusty Wolds. um i'll be using it for a lot of you know wine and food stuff um uh, you know uh they just go kind of hand in hand and i really want to i really want to get wine out there to people mostly for i wouldn't say health reasons but at least liver reasons uh, that the hard the shit is really going to kill you you know what? alcoholism in general is real tough um, and I know it's difficult me discussing alcoholism while discussing learning people about wine is, but I said like I said a lot different um, than throwing down an eighty proof vodka, or you know smuggling down a, a big ass bottle of Taka, uh, versus a big ass bottle of Woodbridge, ten um, percent alcohol to eighty percent, um, in a bigger quantity with the in the eighty percent not eighty percent eighty proof forty percent alcohol. Uh, 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 also, with alcohol, double your proof. If it's whatever proof, double it. That's the alcohol. Uh, is it the other way around? I forgot. 80 proof, 40% alcohol. Yeah, that's right. Um, for instance, most vodkas are 80 proof, but the alcohol is 40%. Everclear, which is 180 proof, is 90% alcohol. So think of your alcohol like that. That's another episode. Um, I appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, I'll get more in-depth as far as flavor profiles. I'll touch on France a little bit more. I'll touch on, touch on different uh, Italian areas as well. Um, but I just want y'all to learn and grow. Uh, I've been doing this for a while, and uh, I'll make sure y'all learn and grow. So holler at your boy. Uh, again, hit me up on Twitter. I appreciate y'all for listening, man. I really do. Um, when I look at the uh, the views, the, the listens, uh, the engagements, or whatever go on with it, uh, it makes me kind of want to keep going and keep listening We're well, not listening, keep discussing it because uh it feel like uh the audience is audience is growing and uh between sports and gaming and and wine talk I think it's uh I think it's a a, a certain category that maybe a lot of people are not I know a lot of, shit ton of people talking about sports but uh wine and gaming is just not you know to me it's not that talked about um in the way I want to hear it, so I talk about shit and do shit in the way I want to hear it and the best way I think it should be relayed. So that's how I go. I appreciate y'all. Holler.